And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I don't know about you, but whoever said being a follower of Christ, being a Christian was easy, must not be a Christian. I mean, I know in my life that uh, being a Christ follower, sure, there is just amazing peace in that, that it is fulfilling, that um, there's times that it is adventurous. I mean, being a Christ follower for me is the best decision that I ever made in my life. But I'll tell you this, that it's been far from easy. In fact, I think one of the most challenging things in my own relationship with the Lord has been my decision of how I choose to respond when I feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do something. Do you know what I'm talking about? When the Lord begins to stir something in your heart, He begins to whisper something to your spirit, and maybe it's maybe you're feeling prompted to, to make a change in some area of your life. Maybe it's with your occupation. Maybe it's some things that are in your life that you've been allowing in your life that you're beginning to feel the Holy Spirit beginning to say no. No, you need to push that away. You need to, to do something a little bit different or or maybe for you, it's about a new direction in your life. Or maybe, maybe it's to forgive somebody that has hurt you in the past. Or maybe it's, maybe it's um, to do something that, that maybe you feel totally incapable and not able to do. Or maybe it's to take a step of faith in some specific area. You see, God has given each of us a very powerful gift in life. I mean a very powerful gift in life. And that gift is a choice. It's a choice. And what we decide to do with this powerful gift greatly impacts the trajectory of our lives. And we see this begin to play out with a guy named Jonah in the Bible. You see, the story of Jonah in the Bible is much more than a story about a famous fish that you may have learned in, in kids' church. That the story of Jonah is about a man named Jonah who was a prophet of God. And God began to prompt Jonah to, to preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah had a choice. And what we're going to see in today's passage is that Jonah chose to disobey what God was prompting him to do. And I want us to look at several things that, that are really powerful truths about God's activity in our lives when He begins to prompt us to do some things. And so if you got your Bible, turn with me today to jo uh, Jonah chapter one, and I want us to look at that and read that together. Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one, it says that the Lord gave this message to Jonah. And here's the message in, in verse two, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, the first observation, the first truth that I want to share with you today 
about about what happens um, when God's promptings are happening inside of us is this. The first one is this, is that God will, look at this, God will often ask us to do something that we don't want to do. He often asks us to do something that we don't want to do. Now think about this situation with Jonah. I mean, why in the world would Jonah choose not to obey God? I mean, Jonah was a prophet of God, right? Listen, in order for us to understand what Jonah was going through and what he was experiencing as it related to this choice of whether he was going to be obedient to God or disobedient to God, I think it's important for us to understand who the people of Nineveh really were. You see, Nineveh was the capital city of the Syrian Empire. And in, in Scripture, when it uses um, the word Assyrians, that is who the Bible is referring to. And I'm telling you what, church, these people were brutal and these people were feared. I mean, when they would wage war on a town or a city, it says that, that many people in the city, sometimes even the entire town, would commit suicide because they feared what these people would do to them in captivity. I mean, these people were so evil, they would torture children, they would skin people alive, they would bury people in the desert up to their necks and allow the animals to, to go around and to, to feed on them. I mean, these were the worst of the worst people. And so knowing that, it helps us better understand why Jonah would disobey God. He disobeyed God because he feared the outcome of being obedient. Now, most of us, you and I, we, we, we will probably never face a situation like Jonah faced. But God still prompts us to do things that we don't want to do. I mean, I think about my own life and I think about all the different times that, that the Lord has spoke to me and stirred in my heart and I just felt the promptings of the Holy Spirit to do something. I mean, 75% of those things or even more than that, 75% I didn't want to do. Like I didn't want to do. And maybe for you, some of the promptings of the Holy Spirit recently in your life, maybe it's to forgive somebody that, that's hurt you. Maybe it's to begin to be obedient in your, in, in your giving. Maybe it's, maybe it's to slow down and to be more patient about a big purchase that you've been thinking about recently. Or maybe it's for you to wait on something. Or maybe it's the complete opposite of that. Maybe, maybe the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life is that He's wanting you to take a step of faith. But when you look at that step and what it looks like in your life and you evaluate your ability to do it, it just doesn't make sense. Listen, I don't know what God might be prompting you to do in this season of your life. But I know this to be true, that delayed obedience is still disobedience. That delayed obedience is still disobedience. 
I mean, I'm a father of three kids and they're starting to get older now, a senior in high school, junior in high school, and now a freshman. I mean, they're, they're looking forward to ruling the school next year, all three, first time that all three of them have been in the same school together. But I remember when, when they were kids and I remember when, when I would tell them to do something and, and I don't know if you, you remember this, if you've got kids when they were younger or maybe your kids are now having kids of their own and, and they're kind of experiencing it, but you'll remember when they were younger that you would tell them to do something and then you would begin to count, right? Do you remember that? You begin to count one, Right, and you've asked them to do something, and now you're and they've got to three to respond in the way that they're supposed to respond, and and then you're like two, and then you recognize that they're not responding, they're not moving, and your heart is you don't want to discipline them, you don't want them to get in trouble, but you want them to be obedient to what you're asking them to do, and so what did you do? If you're anything like me, you began to do this right here, one, two. Two and one-fourth, two and a half, two and three-fourths, and you began to count as slow as you possibly could, watching them begin to come towards you right at three. Do you remember doing that? I mean, think about what we were teaching our kids in that moment. I mean, we were trying to be loving parents, and I think we are loving parents, but the reality is, is that we were, we were teaching our kids delayed obedience. We were teaching them that even though we were asking them to do something, and even though we put parameters on when that needed to be and what it looked like and how they were supposed to do it, that they could be delayed, that they could wait until the last moment. And I think about our relationship with God and I think about how much our relationship with Him looks like that. And I think about all the times that He's begun to prompt things in our heart and, and He just keeps prompting and, and prompting us and we wait and we wait and we wait. You know, I learned several years back that there is a way for us to determine whether or not we are spiritually mature or not. Did you know that? There is a way for us, a litmus test, for us to be able to evaluate our own lives. I'm not talking about looking to your neighbor. I'm talking about our own lives and being able to determine whether or not we are spiritually mature or not. And here's how we do it. The mark of spiritual maturity is found in the lag time. It's found in the amount of time between the prompting of God and the obedience of the believer. Let me explain it like this. The shorter the time, the more mature the believer. The longer the time, the more immature the believer. And friends, when I, when I think about it, I mean, I mean, churches all over the world are full of delayed obedience believers because we often want the benefits of salvation without the sacrifice of obedience. 
Let me say that again. We oftentimes, we want the benefits of salvation without the sacrifice of obedience. And I've learned in my own life, and I've done it, listen friend, I've done it through trial and error, not because I'm perfect, but because I've fallen on my face many times, that I've learned that that kind of living with delayed obedience, that it leads to a miserable life. That it leads to a miserable life. And so here in the story of Jonah, God God is telling Jonah to, to preach to the Ninevites. And you can imagine the, the emotion and the fear that was stirring within Jonah to do something to a group of people that he probably feared himself. And look what happens in verse 3. It says, but Jonah got up. Look at this. And he went in the opposite direction. That he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. That he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship that was leaving to Tarshish. Say that word a few times real fast. Tarshish. Tarshish. Listen, it says that he bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I mean, every time I say the word Tarshish, it just sounds really weird coming out of my mouth. But right here we see, okay, I'm getting a little distracted. Right here we see the second truth. And it's this, that we can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. We can. That every time the Lord prompts us to do something in our life, we can always find a boat that's sailing in the wrong direction direction i mean why did jonah sail for tarshish he didn't like what god was telling him to do have you ever been there like have you ever had the lord telling you to do something and i I don't know what it is i i don't know what he's been speaking to you but i know in my own life if the majority of things aren't the things i would naturally do myself that you're probably the same and that God has probably spoken some things to you. And, and if you're anything like me, that there's been moments in your life that you have chosen to go the opposite direction. I mean, God said to go east to Nineveh and Jonah chose to go west. He chose to go to a place that was some 2,500 miles away from the target destination that God was calling him to go. I mean, theologians say that it would have taken Jonah about a year to be able to sail from where he was at the present time that God was speaking to him to where he was trying to go. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there before in your own life. I don't know if you've ever had a situation where where God is stirring some things in your heart, but you've been so scared to be obedient to God. Maybe scared because because you see what, what it would take of you. Maybe scared because you feel totally incompetent or unable to, to be able to do it. Or maybe maybe you're just you're hesitant because you think that other person doesn't deserve that kind of response. Listen, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I believe 
that there are some watching today that God has spoken to you at some point in your life and somewhere along the way you said no. And for whatever reason that was, and, and you chose to go in the opposite direction, just like Jonah. And now you find yourself drifting. You once had this fresh, passionate, exciting relationship with God that, that you kind of had this fearlessness. Whenever God would, would tell you to do something, you would just do it. But now... But now, because you have gone in the opposite direction at some point in your lives for some decision, some prompting that He placed in your heart, that your relationship with God, that it feels distant. And friend, it feels distant because of the lag time. I mean, check this out. Just like Jonah, you and I will always have this amazing gift of a choice. And sometimes we will choose to go in the opposite direction. But just because we've chosen to go in the opposite direction, it doesn't mean that God has given up on us. Amen? And that leads me to the third truth today. That God may send a storm to get your attention. He may. That He may send a storm to get your attention. Look at verse 4. It says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. I mean, how many of you can look back over your life and you can see storm after storm after storm and how God used that? to draw you back closer to Him. Listen, I've, I've learned something very early in my Christian walk. It didn't take me long to figure this out. And listen, if you don't understand this idea or this truth, that your entire Christian life is going to be miserable. And here it is, that God is more concerned with us becoming more like Him than he is in our comfort. Now let that sit for just a second. That God is more interested in you and I becoming more like him than he is in our comfort. And we see that idea play out here in Jonah. In verse 5, it says that fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors, they shouted to their gods for help. And look at this. They began to throw the cargo overboard to try to lighten the ship. Now, I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm pretty sure that this storm had to be bad for professional sailors to be scared. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love watching the deadliest catch on TV. And I mean, professional fishermen have a high tolerance for stormy seas. And the Bible says that these guys, they feared for their lives. And so what did they do? They began to throw cargo into the water in hopes 
that it would lighten the boat so that the boat would sit up higher on the water so that it wouldn't take on as much water from the, the violent waves and the wind that was blowing everywhere. And, and I find it interesting in the last part of verse 5 where it says this, but all of this time, like this big storm and, and these fishermen that, that, that are probably not normally scared of anything are scared of this storm to the point that they're throwing cargo off the ship. And it says that at all this time that Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. <laughs> How could he be sound asleep down in the hold? I mean, I don't know about you, but the idea of Jonah sleeping through a storm like that when everybody else is fearing for their life, that, that's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I mean, how could Jonah sleep through all of that? And then it hit me that Jonah was so depressed and he was so indifferent about God and about his life due to his choice that he just, he wanted to die. I mean, Jonah is a prophet of God. And so he knows very well the significance of being disobedient. And here he is. He's running from God and he's running from God's call on his life. And he's withdrawn himself and he's isolated himself and he could care less whether he lives or whether he dies. Even to the point that Jonah says in verse 12, he says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. And he says, I know that this terrible storm, that it's all my fault. And friend, this leads me to my last truth my last observation in our text today that sometimes our worst nightmare is exactly what we need sometimes our worst nightmare is exactly what we need in verse 14 it says that then they cried out to the lord to jonah's god oh lord they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Look at this. It says, oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. I mean, even these sailors on the boat who are not followers of God recognized that they found themselves in a situation that God was using to try to draw Jonah back to his life's purpose. I mean, sometimes God sends storms in our lives, not because he's punishing us, not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Get this, he loves us too much to let us continue going the way we are going. And that's what we see here in verse 15. It says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and they threw him into the raging sea. The Bible says that the storm stopped at once. But check this out in verse 17. It says, Now the Lord had 
arranged. Say that with me. The Lord had arranged that the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Listen, some of you right now, you may be facing what you would consider to be your worst nightmare. Maybe for you, it's something that is financial. And maybe you're thinking like, I'm done. It's, it's over. Everything that I've saved up for, everything that I've worked toward, that it's done, it's lost. And maybe God is saying to you today, do I have your attention yet? Or maybe for you, it's a relationship that a relationship that was once trusted has now been broken and it feels like it'll never get back to where it was. And maybe God today is saying, do I have your attention yet? Now hear me. I'm not saying that everything bad that happens to you is God causing it because I don't believe that. But I do believe that there are times when God may cause or allow bad things to happen in our lives in order to get our attention. Because sometimes we are just too hard-headed to see the right way to go. For in this one thing I know, that God is still speaking that God is still leading us every single day of our life towards His preferred future for us. And so you and I today, we have a choice. Will we obey even though it might be difficult and sometimes even scary? Or will we choose to disobey and to head in the opposite direction? Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. That you love us so much that you never give up on us. That even when we head in the wrong direction, that you arrange a way to return. And friend, with everybody's head still bowed, for some of you today, that this very moment is your fish moment. That God has you here listening to this message because He is offering a lifeline to get you back on track again. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to repent just like Jonah did in chapter 2. And you can do that by saying this prayer with me. Let me lead you in that today. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for living my life my way. Forgive me for being disobedient and not trusting you. And help me to have the courage to do what you've called me to do, no matter what. In Jesus' name. Well, if you're watching this video, that means that you're at home today worshiping with us online. And I really do want to encourage you 
uh, to be here next Sunday as we have our grand opening, as we open back up after our uh, five to six week renovation that we've been doing. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time to celebrate all that God is doing in our church. But friend, another way that we're to celebrate all that God has done in our lives is through Holy Communion. And so I want to lead you in that today. And so right now, wherever you're at, you can grab your elements if you have something like this, or maybe you've got a piece of bread and, and some water, um, whatever you can grab um, to be able to uh, use just as a way to remember and to reflect on all that God has done in your life. And so today, you know, I think about communion and I think about how easy it is for us to kind of go through the motions, for us to, to go through the motions and it become ritualistic and to lose sight of what the bread and what the juice truly does represent in our lives. I mean, I think of all that Jesus has done for me. I mean, think about that in this moment. Like, think about all that Jesus has done in your life. And this moment isn't just about eating some bread and drinking some juice. It's about us reflecting and being thankful for all that he's done. You know, Scripture tells us that before we partake in Holy Communion, that we are to examine ourselves. And so this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want to encourage you to just pray whatever God lays on your heart as we go before the Father right now and to ask Him to forgive us of all of our sins. Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to die for us. And Lord, we miss it. We fall short. Our attitudes kind of get in the way. And Lord, today as we come to Your table and as we partake in this Holy Communion, Lord, we ask that you would cleanse our hearts, that any, any motive within our heart that is not right, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would reveal it and that, Father, we would respond the way that you would have us respond. Father, we thank you for that. And we thank you for this opportunity to remember all that your Son has done for us. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, at verse 23, it says that on the night when he was betrayed, that the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. verse 25 it says that in the same way that he took the cup of wine after supper saying that this cup that it's the new covenant between God and his people that it's an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink
time you eat this bread and drink this cup, that you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we thank you again for the sacrifice of your son. May this today be a reminder of how good you are and have been in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave by just praying a prayer of blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his face to you and give you peace. We love you and we'll see you next Sunday for our grand opening. Have a great week. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.